Hello everyone, welcome to the 35th Game Distiller Comcast. As always, I'm Simon Wu. And I'm Alex Miller. And I am Max Gruber. And joining us today is a guest who hasn't been here for a while, but he's been uh, quietly listening and commenting on all of our podcasts. He was last on the 5th uh, Comcast, if you can believe that, a long time ago. OG it's guest. Yeah, it's uh, Millennium Master, our very first guest back for this uh, really big podcast. So, welcome. Hey there, guys. Uh, I'm really glad you guys invited me again. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. And uh, it's actually pretty uh, pretty fortuitous that you are a guest again. Is uh, before we get into all of the uh, E3 juicy bits that will be coming later in the podcast, we get to do what we always do at the beginning: uh, the community callbacks and. As I said, it's fortuitous because yours is actually the first comment. So, Millennium Master, you want to go ahead and read your comment on our uh, our last podcast, uh, episode 34, I think it was, playing the race card? Sure. Uh, I get it right here. Uh, it says, mm, Is it just me or some sound issues happening within this episode? For example, Alex's voice jumping around from one side, one speaker to the other, and the guests sound uh, being extremely low at times. Yep, and uh, I had a comment that I uh, I put below this in the uh, the comment section on Wikigame Guides for this. It's just sort of explaining, but we had a, uh, a number of technical difficulties with the last podcast, and uh, it, instead of re-recording a lot of things, uh, well, we still had to re-record a lot of things, but instead of just scrapping what we had and taking even more time, we decided to try and put out what we had so apologies for some of the issues we had with that we think we've fixed uh, all the issues and hopefully you're uh, you're receiving this audio crystal clear through your uh, speaker or audio dispenser of your choice and we also and, had uh, we hope it sounds a lot better we also had an issue on Wilfred's front where his audio did not properly render so he had to redo and re-record every last piece of audio for, for on his end with our uh, audio being kind of the guide point for his discussions. Which, kudos to him for doing uh, pretty admirably on that. Um, he recorded it pretty soon after, so the thoughts were still kind of fresh in his mind. He got the gist of where we're going and kind of what he said. But yeah, that uh, certainly uh, compounded the audio issues. But yeah, definitely should uh, be resolved with this one. And next we have Solifluxion, another uh, longtime loyal listener and commenter, uh, who says, Steve Cortez is the man. I feel like any kind of discrimination would result in a huge backlash for the publishers. Well, if, uh, well I think it's a good thing that games are getting more and more quote-unquote tolerant. I can't shake the feeling that in many cases it's just a matter of expediency for the developer and less a sign of changing attitudes. However, if the end result is a more open society, I can live with that. Sometimes you've got to fake it before you make it. And this was in response to our podcast topic, which was the uh, portrayal and role of uh, gender, uh, sexual orientations, and ethnicities in video games. And the issues with that, we brought on uh, Mr. Wilfred Barnell, who is African-American, I'm Asian-American, uh, to discuss these issues and see how the portrayal has changed and outline good examples and bad examples of portrayal of these minorities in video games and representation in the industry as a whole. 
Yeah, so uh, if you haven't listened to it, uh, despite all of these uh, comments uh, talking about some of the audio issues, I would recommend listen to it. Just uh, get through the cringy, uh, cringy bits with the audio and just actually listen to what we had to talk about because I thought we actually had a, a very good discussion. Um, but continuing on another wonderful compliment about our, our audio issues, uh, Omega Zero says, Whoa, Millennium Master 18 isn't joking about the sound suddenly jumping from stereo to right only or left only every now and then. It's not just Alex either. It's a pretty minor issue, but kind of off-putting. Maybe mix to mono in the future? And take your phone off the table. I can hear it vibrate while Alex is talking about that weird Spanish DS game. Uh, also, I apologize for the long comment on episode 33. He then proceeds to write a very long comment on episode 34. On to the actual content of episode 34. Uh, firstly, Alex needs to be shot for his taste in cars and his subsequent love affair with destroying them. I, I apologize just as an aside. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I suggest he play the 2005 game Juiced in which the damaging the car you race costs your character money. I would be so far in debt um, that would not be good. Secondly, on homosexual characters in video games, you guys are totally correct. While Bill is gay, that fact does not play into the game at all. It's a tiny little detail and no attention is drawn to it. Although Ellie does lampshade this by finding a gay porn magazine in Bill's hideout. Make of that what you will. On the other hand, in the DLC Left Behind, warning, spoilers, it is revealed that Ellie is bisexual or possibly lesbian. You can bring that to the forefront as much as you want by reading into Ellie's relationship with Riley, just as you can choose to romance any number of non-heterosexual characters in Bioware's game. It's up to the player to notice or utilize those facts as they wish. I think games would sell just as well with different protagonists, not just the bland, white, heterosexual male we've gotten in every game previously. Part of the reason the bland, white, heterosexual male games sell so well is largely due to the fact that there aren't any other options. I don't know how many copies of Mass Effect were sold, but I remember seeing statistics somewhere saying 30% of the characters created were female. 30% is uh, of large is still quite a bit, so there's definitely uh, interest in the, at the very least. I would love to. I would really love to be a market analyst in the event that Call of Duty '79, Tom Clancy's Advanced Warfare 3, Halo Fall Battle features a female campaign protagonist. I'm also interested to see how many Ghost players run female multiplayer characters. Similarly, I can only think of one game, Telltale's Walking Dead, released in the previous few years, where the singular protagonist is black. Again, I can only think of one recent game, Metro, where Russia. China, the Middle East, isn't inherently evil. While I'm sure there are more, the fact that I can only come up with one of each says a lot about our current games market. At least we're inching our way towards gender equality, but racial diversity for North American releases is non-existent. Uh, yeah, it's un it's unfortunate, but I mean, I think the, the point he makes there about only being able to think of one of each of those examples is, is a spot-on uh, way of explaining the issue. Uh, so, go ahead. Well, uh, then, yeah, I would like to echo the comments. I think, uh, Omega Zero put out a very thoughtful and, uh, expository comment, which is exactly the kind that we like to see, and he is right in that, right now, we're moving our way towards gender equality, but, uh, racial equality and, um, sexual orientation quality are lagging a bit behind, right? If we think about it, all right, we've got Joel from The Last of Us. We've got Booker from Bioshock Infinite. We've got Shepard from Mass Effect, which, albeit customizable, but, you know, a lot of people prefer to just play with the default, tyranny of the default. We've got 
generic, ruggedly handsome white guys on the covers of all of our games. Nolan North. As a, so that is a that is a very good point that uh, he uh, mentioned. And next, we actually have Soul Affliction, who responded to Omega with some of his examples, saying, as far as I know, one of the console-exclusive CODs had you play as a female Russian sniper. I might be mistaken, though. Also, in that case, the Russians were the good guys. Well, you know, that uh, that communist equality, right? They fight on the front lines as well, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I, I, I can't quite remember, unless this was like a an expansion to uh, one of the first, like Call of, like a Call of Duty 1 expansion, because uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I know, there. I think in 2 and 5 you play as Russians, but I'm pretty sure both of those are as males. And I, I think while it is... Well, the Russians are the good guys there. You sort of lose points somewhat. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a point system, but if you're looking for some sort of uh, equality uh, to all kinds of characters, because uh, the Russians being the good guy, good guys in that game is very uh, Euro Western centric because they were our allies in World War II. So that means they were good guys then. But I guarantee you, uh, actually, I can tell you in that same game series call of duty when you get later on and the russians are no longer our allies in time they become the bad guys <laughs> so uh now we have uh disgruntled avians another one of our longtime uh listeners responding to soul flushing saying it was in a spin-off finest hour which was available on gamecube ps2 and xbox you played as a sniper named tanya pavla pavla I- think that's how you pronounce it, uh, which is a reference to Enemy at the Gates. Additionally, in Call of Duty 2, in the Russian mission, you did have a woman amongst your ranks, randomly generated name, the only one I have seen to date fight in the entire main series, if I am not mistaken. Okay, the, the female in Call of Duty 2, I did remember. I think that's sort of what I was getting at, but now I feel really dumb because I read this comment a couple of days ago and just totally forgot the uh, the explanation well done alex hey you um, know, i do my best <laughs> so next uh we have dar skeletor so completely rounding out now our main crew of loyal podcasts not only listeners but commenters with their insightful comments and he says at this point it's not just about doing what's right although of course that is really important but we'd be kidding ourselves if businesses thought that way rather cynical but uh, unfortunately true. Rather, as you guys mentioned, it's becoming important just from sheer business. To be honest, the adolescent heterosexual white male market is reaching saturation. Any sane business would not be so hung up on only reaching one community. The purchasing power of the gay community is huge, and Hispanics are 32% more likely to consider video games their main source of entertainment. Also, Final Fantasy VII's portrayal of Barrett Wallace will live in my mind as one of the worst portrayals of minorities of all time. He was the only black character, and therefore had to speak in ridiculous Ebonics. Nobody else, just him. Also, Ubisoft was totally off the mark at E3 with their comment that putting women in would have been too hard and taken too long. Quote-unquote, 
extra work hasn't stopped them from delaying almost all of their games this past year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll uh, we'll we'll get into that no. comment uh, more later when we talk about some of Ubisoft stuff. But I think his uh, his citing Hispanic in the uh, the Hispanic community, and I, I know a lot of the time we're very U.S. centric, uh, North American centric. Uh, but I mean, that, that is a massive community in the U S it's growing at a crazy rate. And you would, th- you think that if for no other reason than cold, hard, cynical business practice, uh, as Darth Skeletor points out at the beginning of his comment, you'd think that they'd be going after that market hard, but we haven't really seen it nearly as much as you would think, at least yet. In addition, um, if you look back at some of the er- I guess not older, older, but some of the more recent Assassin's Creed games, there have been female characters, right? In Brotherhood, and I'm, I'm assuming Revelations, especially in the multiplayer front, there were playable female characters that were actually playable. So obviously, yeah, that's it, just it, a- it, ma- it makes it makes you wonder because yeah, there there were several um, in the. Uh, in the Assassin's Creed 3 and 4 multiplayer, there's several different uh, female models, each with their own unique uh, strides. And so I would I would assume they're their own sort of skeletons because they all have different action sets. So you'd think they could forward that that information into their new engine. Or I don't even know if they're using a new engine, uh, which if they're not using a new engine, then that would just be ridiculous because you think they've already done the work, just ported it over. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't the uh, an Assassin's Creed uh, lead, uh, lead for, I believe, one of the games? I believe it was called Liberation or something. Yes. Yeah, Liberation on the uh, the PSP had a had a female lead. Ah. Oh, and I think actually they they released um, a, a console version. It was like Liberation HD. I think that came out just after Assassin's Creed Four. So again, it's 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 not something that they have never done before, which just makes. They're a, a ridiculous statement, even more ridiculous. <laughs> um, but anyway, as I said, we've got uh, we've got a couple things to talk about uh, on Ubisoft in this particular issue later on in the show. So before we get to that, we'll we'll continue on with the callbacks. And the next set of comments are from the short takes dating from Friday the thirteenth of June. And the first one is from Soul Fluxion, uh, who this is. These are our E three short takes, so appropriate. We're discussing them on this show. Talking about a new IP that Ubisoft, or sorry, that Bioware hinted at at E3, Space Western. Sounds like Mass Effect with Firefly. I'm down for that. And uh, I have to say, Soul Fluxion, I am very much down with that as well. It, uh, Bioware teased, they, they're terrible tease uh, for both their new IP and their new Mass Effects. They sort of went back and forth, and you're not really sure uh, which was which. Um, but their, their their new Mass Effect they were talking about is with a different character and a different part of space. Uh, but a lot of it looked very similar to some of the Mass Effect locations uh, we've been to before. So got me excited, but it, I, I felt it wasn't wasn't a lot of new things. So that was it was kind of. It was a nice tease, but at the same time, it was it was really annoying because it didn't really show anything new. Mm-hmm. And we and we have our last comment on this uh, specific short takes from Mister Hat. 
I'm surprised Ubisoft didn't go with Charlotte Corday as a female lead in Unity. And this was in response to our previous discussion about Ubisoft's comments on having no plans on having a female character in Assassin's Creed Unity and in Far Cry 4. Um, which again is surprise. I guess, I guess I shouldn't say surprising, but it's, it's almost inexcusable at this point for them to say this at all because we've already seen, as we've said, that they have done female characters. It just feels like, it just feels like they're just slacking off at this point. It's a, an unnecessary slap to the face. Exactly. Uh, so next we've got comments from the uh, short takes from the 20th uh, and Soul Fluxion in response to a story that uh, a modder or a group of modders has discovered in the code of the PC version of Watch Dogs uh, elements that allow you to, I, I guess, basically unlock the, the graphical settings that we saw at uh, E3 2012 for Watch Dogs when we first saw this crazy ridiculously good looking game uh that is not the same game that was released on consoles and initially on pcs this year so he says uh leave it to the modders uh to obviously to improve the game as opposed to uh the developers actually making it good themselves and uh live to rock 13 quickly follows that up with a pretty uh sharp statement that says your comment should tell you the state of gaming right there. The fact that we have to rely on others to fix the problems that shouldn't be there in the first place should be a red flag. And yeah, that was in reference to my comments um, on that story to begin with about the need for the modding community to basically figure out what exactly was going on. And Ubisoft's frankly ridiculous explanation of this. I mean, first we we're talking about their t- uh, stance on no female characters in Unity, but this just took it to a whole new level. They essentially said, yeah, those are actually there, but, you know, some computers might not be able to play with those settings, so we decided to turn them off. Yeah, it was it was the most ridiculous reason uh, when you think about what PC gaming is all about. Like, if you're going to the only reason that uh, you might buy a console over a PC just in terms of playing certain games is that it's plug-and-play. Unlike a, a PC where you might have an issue with your audio driver or your game card, or you might not, not have enough hard drive space or whatever else, with a console, you plug it in, you put the disc in, and you can play with no hassle. So... Obviously, if you're playing on PC, you're going in with some sort of expectation of, okay, it may not work exactly the way some people might have thought it was going to work on my particular build on my machine, but I'll just go into the settings and fiddle around with it for 30 seconds, and boom, it's optimized to my particular machine. The fact that they would remove settings because they were afraid some people wouldn't be able to handle all of it is, to me, just just ridiculous. It really And we will definitely talk more about Ubisoft and all of these video game developers in our topic, but for right now, that ends our comments for this week, and we will move on to our Dixical segment, where we talk about um, what games we've been playing since the last podcast. So, 
Uh, as our guest, please, Millennium Master, go right ahead. All right, then. Uh, well, so long I haven't played that uh, many uh, recent games. I've been playing more of the uh, things that I have uh, recently uh, caught an interest on, such as all the hand beam free on Steam, such as uh, Sniper Elite B2. That was one uh, of the games that was free for about a day, and I managed to catch it up. Uh, and pl- and I'm having uh, having tons of fun with it. It's good to see the X-ray <laughs> and all this, all the gruesome effects. Uh, yeah, that, that feature always looks pretty interesting. Whenever I saw videos of that game, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, I've just picked up from Summer Sale a, a bundle from of both uh, Portal uh, titles. So I'm looking forward to playing those. I've been playing around the f- uh, uh, with the first one, and so far it's pretty impressive. Uh, it's uh, all the c- uh, extra content, developer commentary, all that stuff makes it all a whole run experience. Of, and I can't wait to play the second one when I get the chance. Yeah, both of those games are fantastic, and you're you're lucky if you haven't played them before because Portal Two is one of the uh, I say select few games that just has a just absolutely fantastic initial game and then just runs away does miles better than the original i mean both of those games are fantastic but you've got a lot of lot to look forward to in uh, in portal 2 and i'm glad you mentioned steam because a lot of mine uh have to do with the fact that uh we have been blessed the uh the last few days week week and a half uh with Gay Ben's lovely summer sale. So, of course, I have been uh, perusing the halls of Valve and have found a couple of titles that uh, I've really been having a lot of fun with lately. Uh, first of all, I've played a little bit and I look forward to playing a lot more is uh, Age of Mythology HD Edition. Uh, a friend of mine uh, talks me into, uh, well, he didn't really have to talk me into it. It was more, uh, hey, you want to get this? I said, absolutely, I do. Uh, so, we got a four pack for that. So, we split that with some other friends, but that game is just. It is so much fun. If you if you never played it as a kid, and I hope a lot of you played it uh, when you were younger, because it is it is a fantastic game with an excellent story. Um, but the HD edition on Steam, I've yet to get into the multiplayer, but just in terms of the gra- graphics and everything else, it looks and sounds exactly like you remember it. So I know with a lot of old games, you go back and look at things, it's like, oh, this looks shit now. They've managed to somehow bring along what it looks like in your memory so it's still it looks good plays well it's lots of fun so other than that i've been playing more europa universalis 4 that game continues to consume my life as i slowly colonize my way across eastern siberia as russia uh i've been playing a lot of mountain blade warband it's a fantastic older game i found on steam uh which is another wonderful time sink and uh, I've been continuing to try and not be terrible at Titanfall, so uh, I've been been having fun with that. All right. Um, so I have recently been uh, playing Watch Dogs, which I got just out of curiosity to see exactly how the reception was and see whether that was merited. And yes, I can say, with the exception, with one glaring exception the less than positive reviews have been merited. That one exception, of course, is Spider Tank, which is this ridiculous over-the-top thing where you're a tank that's a spider and you jump around buildings, stomp on things, and complete challenges. Um, It's absolutely hilarious, and that 
redeem the game in large part to to my eyes because I'll just keep uh, spending my time playing that instead of the actual game. Yeah, I went over um, to I went over to Simon's house and he was uh, playing it. And full disclosure, it was it's on a three sixty, so we haven't we haven't seen if it's next gen's graphics in some way improve it. But from what we saw, the graphics on three sixty weren't great. But anyways, this spider tank thing, it's it's like something that you would think would be in a Saints Row game. Like it was just balls of the wall insane. The way you set it up, it's like some digital trip, I think is the way to do it. So it's like you're basically on drugs hallucinating the fact that you're a tank that looks like a spider and it's just like wreck as much shit as possible, burnout style, but with guns and it's just it was it was really really funny. Yeah. And then I have also been playing The Last of Us, which I've been enjoying very much. In addition to that, I've been playing Call of Duty Ghosts, mostly Extinction Mode on the Xbox One, and of course, also the campaign so that I can double count my achievements. And what about Dark Souls? You said that last week. Oh yeah, that's right. I have been playing Dark Souls um, and dying uh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> I uh, I had to. I was I was playing with a friend of mine, and we were. I was playing, and he was kind of advising me. Um, and we're trying to figure out how to get through the prologue, which is sort of embarrassing, trying to figure out like where we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to get the key to get out of this place to begin with. And I ended up, because I could not quite figure out the combo block, then attack this one really, really basic trash mob, which I eventually killed in two hits, killed me about five times. And I had to go run through not only him, to trying to get to him, but like five different enemies that just got really tedious. Uh, so I'm feeling the the punishment already. <laughs> so I finished Watch Dogs. Uh, not a good game. I think Simon really addressed that. Um, I went through The Walking Dead season or season two, episode three. Uh, I'm trying to think what else did I play. Um, I didn't really play much because of, uh, uh, wait for it, wait for it, Final Fantasy XIV, because I have been trying to get through Titan Extreme, and of course, everyone is absolutely terrible at it, and they die to either a landslide, or they somehow get killed by a bomb, and... The whole thing just falls apart from there. I came close, though. I came close. I got to the, uh, I think it was the Granite Jailers right near the end of the fight, but still no cigar. I was very disappointed that I've yet to clear it, even though I have pretty much, I'm pretty much overgeared for the fight. Um, it's embarrassing that I am basically the competent one of the entire fight. And I also left my free company to join another one and somehow managed to convince everyone in my old company to migrate over to this new one. Um, and uh, <laughs> so far it's been doing, it's been really crazy and a lot of fun, uh, but also equally infuriating that I still cannot get through this fight. Uh, that's all I have to comment on. All right, with that, we will now move into our main topic of the day, which is our postmortem on E3. 
2014. So a lot was uh, made of this E3, mostly that it was less interesting than the last one because who could forget the epic launch of both consoles and the mudslinging. All the drama therein. surrounding that. But never, nevertheless, um, we will go through each. We will uh, go through each conference and each company, discuss what they announced. Mostly, we cut out some things like just dance and voice central or whatever else. Those are legitimate titles. <laughs> <laughs> and then we will provide our assessment of how they did, and then we will go through how they did overall and where this makes where this sets the industry for next year for the coming year so kicking it off we have microsoft looking to redeem themselves from their uh, extremely poor showing at last e3 where they were roundly beaten by sony uh at every turn well and all of the <laughs> comments and themselves i think we 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 have to remember that more than Sony, Microsoft shot themselves quite a few times and really just fell over for Sony to walk right past. I mean, Sony Sony did definitely do a much better job than them last E3, but Microsoft did not make that hard to do. Right. Uh, what with, you can only play the 360 on a nuclear submarine, etc., etc. Uh, but here, we start. they started off with Forza Horizon 2. So looking back, the first game didn't really get that great uh, reviews because Forza fans didn't really like the street racing open world kind of twist. They are much more of the performance junkies, um, closed circuit courses. And of course, everyone who already play an open world street racing kind of game is probably playing Need for Speed, you know, the ones that have been rebooted by Criterion. Yeah, you're probably if you if you're gonna make an Arma Call of Duty game, you're gonna get some unhappy Arma fans. You're not gonna get a bunch of Call of Duty players on there because they're already playing Call of Duty. So from the beginning, it was a little bit of a flawed concept. Right, and further complicating matters is this bizarre twist, which it basically just speaks to Microsoft's entire philosophy right now. Bizarre twist but understandable from a technical perspective, but you can never explain that easily to someone. That was the entire problem they had last E3, and they're doing it again. Forza Horizon 2 on the 360 will be an, a, a completely different game from Forza Horizon 2 on the Xbox One. It's not going to be a port. It's not going to be an upscale. They will literally be two entirely different games with different features and presumably maybe different tracks, different uh, gameplay elements. They said this is because the Drivatar system, the weather system, can only be done on the Xbox One, which I kind of doubt because we've had weather and AI for a long time now. Um, they will have two different studios making them, running two different engines, but have the same name. Why would you do this? Yeah, it's I Ubisoft mean, it gets is... the idea. Assassin's Creed Unity only for the current gen. Assassin's Creed something or other for the last gen. We're gonna make it very clear how this is going to it's work. It's because uh, they're Microsoft. It, it, 
<laughs> yeah, I would. I, mean, uh, well, I, I, I would. I would say it, it. It. It is bizarre that they are using the same name, but with that one exception, I don't have much of a problem with this as long as these two studios are getting the fundings they they both need. Uh, it. I would. I think I would have more of an issue if the 360 was get was just getting a really shitty port of the Xbox One version that's just, you know, downgraded to hell and isn't worth anything. The fact that there's a separate studio whose only job is to make this game, like, these, the, they're given these, you know, basic skeleton of the game, this is what you need to do with it, and then they go from there, that could work out very well for Xbox 360 owners if it's given the proper support that it needs. But I do agree with you, the fact that it's has the uh, the same name presumably it's going to have the same box art and advertising and everything else that is a little strange yeah and next we have sunset overdrive which uh, i believe is being made by insomniac games yeah and it's a just a completely over the top ridiculous game with eight person co-op and they're calling it chaos squad really uh taking advantage of one of the sort of scratch-your-head features of the, or at least initially scratch-your-head features of the Xbox One that you can have uh, eight controllers hooked up at uh, at one time. I will say I loved the uh, the trailer for this game just for its sense of humor. I, I thought it was, it was very funny and very uh, enjoyable. It was so fucking colorful, um, but it was, it was very fun. I'm more interested to see more gameplay because a lot of the gameplay they showed seemed to be very sort of scripted and very um, very controlled so I'd like to see that running and it's just natural engine just have someone walking around in it but it is it could be one of those games that looks like it's just fun to play like no no real reason to you know oh I want to get really good at this it's just something you sit down it's like I want to have some fun let me blow shit up in this game uh, it could be that or it could turn out to be a terrible mess who knows but I will be watching to look uh, and try and see more of it. And, and we now ha- we then what was next on the docket was something that is extremely hard to to fit into one sentence, which is Super Ultra Dead Rising Three Arcade Remakes Hyper Edition EX Plus Alpha Prime, which is basically I'm guessing I'm guessing it's like. Uh, what Far Cry 3 did with uh, Far Cry Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which is basically a separate title of the game that is not part of Far Cry 3. It, that instead, this is just a separate entity of Dead Rising, and it's just like the first the first thing you have to know is that it's a ridiculously massively long name. Like it took me a good five seconds to read out the whole thing. So I think we all can see where that's going right there. That's every, every adjective they can throw at it. Uh, but another thing about it is this, uh, this DLC is it's only like 30 megs. So, and I've seen a video of it and most of the stuff, uh, most of the, the stuff they're like maps and everything they're using are stuff from the game itself. They're just sort of they put this Capcom Street Fighter sort of uh, uh, cell shading uh, filter over it, so it sort of looks like you're in a Street Fighter game, um, but with a lot of the characters from the uh, Dead Rising series uh, from one, two, and three. Uh, but it does have a lot of uh, that 
fighter beat em up uh, combo stuff, along with Dead Rising weapons and vehicles, and it just it looks like yeah, it could, depending on the price, I'm not actually sure how much it costs, but it looks like it could be uh, some some uh, some fun to have with friends. Yeah, and it's it is a ridiculous satire, but it's also owing to Capcom's heritage of fighting games, and so that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, but also, there's a bit of controversy because you'll recall. Dead Rising 3 originally had that gigantic multi-gigabyte update that didn't really seem to do anything. Well, this is actually what it was doing. Uh, it was preloading this DLC. Oh, really? But all you need to do is buy basically an unlock token, and you'll instantly get access to the game. Oh, Capcom. Whether that's a good thing or not, you know, just kind of wasting your time to have it there. Will you, won't you buy it? Doesn't matter. Just have it. Uh, now that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. Your hard drive. I didn't actually hear about that. But now you you wonder that gets into the whole debate of they're forcing people to put onto their console something that they may not use. And I mean, what if someone has a uh, a data cap on their uh, on their internet and you're making them download this massive update? You know, maybe they don't want to download it, so they don't download it. But okay, now they can't play. Uh, Maybe their only Xbox One game, maybe their favorite Xbox One game. I've, that seems like a really shitty thing to do. I get the idea why they would, because you know they don't want you don't want to download this massive file right off the bat. I can I can see why they would do it. Well, but- yeah, that 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 makes that makes sense. If you say, okay, I just bought this. Wow, that update was really quick. Now I get to play. That's fun. But if you had to do that, if the, if the only way to get to that is Previously, having been, well, I've been sitting on my couch for eight hours today. And what was it, Simon? You had a tweet just the other day talking about you were sitting for multiple hours trying to uh, update Ghosts on the Xbox One. You were saying it really needs an SSD. I mean, this is a this is a perfect example of why it would need uh, an SSD. Is if you're having to download these massive updates that we may not even need to use. It's just it it, it could be uh, you you'd have to wonder if people wouldn't trade off the waiting later versus waiting now all right and next we're going to move on to fable legends which actually um is for the xbox one and has some unique elements it goes it departs from the rpg aspects of the previous fable games the trilogy of heroes and it's more or less a dungeon crawler you don't have that interaction with the villagers you can't romance anyone like have extended conversations with them There's a hub world, and then you go on quests. And basically you have four heroes and one villain. And so this is where it gets a little innovative. Um, The villain can actually use Smart Glass to plot out how he's going to try and defeat the heroes by setting traps, by spawning mobs in various places, hopefully to try and knock them down. We should we should say also that smart glass isn't required. This is just a way to integrate smart glass into the uh, the console experience. I should al- yeah, that's right. I should also point out that this is the first Fable game without Peter Molyneux after his departure. That is true, and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this uh, less story driven uh, uh, Fable goes. I have to say, when we first heard about this, uh, I think it might have been last E three. I was pretty excited. I remember writing in the short takes how I really liked 
the idea of the villain. Uh, it sort of reminded me of the director in Left 4 Dead, but whereas that's an AI, and they did a very good job of of creating a system that would randomize and uh, change the level of challenge each and every time, so you got a unique experience just about every time you played. There's not quite uh, a proper replacement for a human being, and so I really like the idea of this sort of dungeon master esque role for someone who wants to just fuck with other people. And if you know, there's so many trolls on the internet, get them all to buy this game, and then they are doing their actual job in the game by trolling the other players and making it as difficult as possible. And I'm, I think it could lead to some really fun gameplay. And we'll see how a the departure of Molyneux, who was the creative lead behind Fable for a long time and was deeply involved in making it what it was, and this transition to a new model uh, will work well. So we'll see. Next, we have something that was actually at the last E3, which was re- uh, unveiled at the last E3, and then this time got further detailed, which is Project Spark, which is kind of this game-creating game where you have all the elements you need to create a game, right? Like um, creating a map, spawning enemies, figuring out the rules for how you're going to play, um, all of that in kind of a very neat graphical interface. It's kind of like uh, Little Big Planet and Minecraft and all this stuff where it's like a it's a platform for you to make your own stuff. And uh, I, I was confused by the trailer at first, but, but then got into a lot of the stuff they showed off. I'm actually I'm pretty excited to see what people can create with this because, I mean, you look at games like Minecraft, like... Uh, uh, Trials Fusion, I had a, <laughs> forgot the name of the game, but any of those Trials games, you see some incredible uh, maps. I mean, you look at Forge and Halo series, people online can make ridiculously good sh- stuff if you give them a complex and intuitive set of tools to create things. And so I'm really excited to see what comes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah. Um, there. Isn't there also, or I, I I guess we're gonna be going into that in a little bit, but um, this is a really co- cool way to get people interested in actually making a video game, right? For most people, making a video game in- involves a lot of knowledge, right? You have to first of all know how to create character models, how to create textures how to be a code writer, how to script out scenes, how to uh, create collision detections. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to be a coder, an artist, a writer, uh, a composer, so many different things if you're one of these one-man, two-man studios to create these games. So I think, I think the point you're getting to is all of these uh, programs and systems that make it easier, reduce the barrier uh, to entrance to making games, I'm all for that because, as I said, talking about Project Spark and all these other game creating engines that we've seen over the years, people online, when given the tools, can make some incredible stuff. And so, I'm really—I'll say it again—I'm really excited to see what comes out of this. All right, and we'll move on next to uh, an indie title, which is very promising. This is one of two interesting indie titles that Microsoft uh, touted at their press conference. This one's called Ori and the Blind Forest. 
which is basically, if you can imagine, it's a 2D side-scrolling action-adventure platformer, but it has a very dark and somber and artistic kind of vision behind it. So if you imagine kind of the, if you combine Rayman physics, right, with that sort of uh, jumping around and leveling, and a little bit of the art style, I mean a bit of more the character modeling, not so much the bright colors, obviously, because you combine that with Limbo's very dark and melancholy atmosphere. Yeah, it also, at least uh, initially, when I, when I first saw it, one of the games that uh, came to mind for me was sort of like a 2D version of Journey, uh, the, the, the PlayStation game that got a lot of uh, accolades and renown in the past year. Uh, just the, uh, the, the journey style on every, it, it has the same sort of, nobody's talking, you have to figure out the story based on the, some of the background stuff. So that, that seemed really interesting. Yeah. And next is their marquee franchise that they announced. Uh, this one was actually leaked several months ago in one of the, one of these leaked documents that was put out to the public and that was the halo we actually we we had that on we had this on the short takes actually it's just brag uh tutter on uh tutor on horn we uh we were one of the places that uh that broke this when it came out yeah uh and it is the fact that master chief is coming back in halo master chief edition which is for the xbox one we'll have uh halos one two three and four uh all redone for the xbox one but in particular, Halo 2 is getting the uh, full anniversary Manny Petty treatment. It's going to get the, the whole one button switch back and forth like Halo CE had. But the biggest thing and the thing I'm most excited about is Halo 2 multiplayer in its entire original version will be put on the Xbox One for Xbox Live. So if you love... I'm really, I'm really excited. If you love d- hardcore BXR, super jumping, sword cancel lunges, or anything ridiculous in that matter, uh, double shotting as well, you are going Just to seeing, love... Just seeing dual-wielding SMGs on an Xbox One got me so excited. Just just so excited. And I, I'm, I'm so ready to buy it. The fact that it's... All four games, I'm 99% sure when I say this, I saw the price point was $60. And for Simon and all the other achievement whores out there, 4,000 gamer score on one disc. So for achievement whores, for Halo 2 fans, for Halo fans in general, and for anyone looking for probably the best buy for the Xbox One this year, this is going to be a must get. And it comes with a beta for Halo oh, yeah, Guardians. Yeah. As if as if all of that wasn't enough. Yeah, it comes with this beta. And also Speaking uh, of some uh, some episodes for uh not the Spielberg TV show, but some other live action TV show. Apparently they're doing a bunch of live action in Halo now. Uh sort of I guess in the vein of Forward Under Dawn, where it's setting up Halo Five or yeah, Halo Five Guardians. And speaking of and speaking of Halo Five Guardians now, which is more or less the main event of Microsoft's press conference. Basically, this year's Titanfall must-have marquee title that they're really counting on to get the Xbox One really going. Actually, guys, this time, 
we'll get it right because <laughs> we're actually going with a tried and true franchise rather than a new IP gamble. But uh, what we know is from the very brief trailers that the Forerunners are playing a bigger role. There's a new Spartan who's shown either alongside or in the reflection flip side of Master Chief named Locke, um, who was apparently going to play a key role. And th- really what I'm starting to see here is perhaps Master Chief is going to start being phased out. Because if you think about it, almost he's pretty much the last thing that links these halos to the originals. The Covenant are gone. The Arbiter's doing God knows what. Guilty Spark is dead. Johnson is dead. Both keys are dead. And spoiler alert, if you haven't played Halo 4 yet, Cortana is now dead too. Hey, we don't know that. That E3 trailer uh, last year hinted he's looking for her. Uh, perhaps, but... Um, She's probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to get here is... Uh, that Master Chief collection looks like a nice way for new gamers to remember everything he has done in a way other than our Halo Synoptic Sit Rep. Um, and it seems like, for them, he's a random new guy, right? Who is this guy? Why is he important? And apparently, why is everyone referring to things he's done in the past? What is Halsey talking about? He saved everyone. Oh, well, now I understand, because I can play it on the current gen and not the original Xbox, like for Halo 2. And this seems like that's how they're going to phase him out. He's going to get a swan song. It's going to be great. And all right, all right here's, the, here's the new guy who's going to save the world from the resurgent forerunners or whatever. And you can also tell this because Halo are getting very close to pulling the Call of Duty and ditching the numbering system in favor of descriptive subtitles. Right? We saw this with Call of Duty 2 Modern Warfare. It was originally, or no, it was going to be Call of Duty. It was going to be Modern Warfare. It was going to be Modern Warfare 2. And they got rid of, uh, they wanted to get rid of the Call of Duty, but then they had to bring it back. Um, Of course, slightly different, but they also got rid of the numbering there and moving on towards descriptive subtitles instead. Well, and it's, it's, very it's, close been, to that point. it's been kind of confusing, too, because they have gone back and forth between saying Halo Guardians, that's it, and Halo 5 Guardians. So it seems like there is still a little confusion amongst their own ranks, or they just haven't decided which way they're going to go with it. But to your, your sort of analogy that they might be phasing him out, giving him uh, the swan song in it, uh, the comparison that sort of springs to mind for me is with all the, the rumors of the uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, so tying all our, our nerd stuff together, how a bunch of the people from the original trilogy are coming in, getting their swan song, and using that as a platform to introduce the new characters who will then be bigger later on. So who knows if this Locke character will be similar to some of the newer, younger actors in episode this new star wars movie maybe this game will set him up as a minor character to then become much more important later on and halo will be important for a very long time for microsoft because that is their bread and butter they need it to run to sell their consoles will we finally get to see master chief's face if they're really phasing him out who knows well if you beat halo 4 on legendary you get to see a little bit of it I must go back. Yep. Get to work, son. 
but next up was the other of the really interesting looking indie titles that Simon mentioned before. It's uh, it's called Inside. It's a new indie game from the creators of Limbo, and it has a very similar aesthetic, very similar theme. It's a, a 2D side scroller uh, where you've got a lot of things going on in the background. You have to sort of interact. It's very minimalist in its color scheme. Uh, and like Limbo, there's lots of stealth. It's platforming. All this stuff. So it really it jumped out at you because it, it was instantly recognizable as something out of uh, Limbo, but then you realize it's a different character doing different things. So it, it, it it's recognizable enough that you want to you want to look at it, but then when you look at it, you realize, oh, this is something new entirely. Yeah, and uh, so let's see, what do we have next? Sorry, I lost. I, we right. have ID um, at Xbox. Oh yeah, that's right, ID at Xbox. So last E3, um, one of the jabs Sony got in was that they were not very Xbox was not very friendly for indie devs, and so now this E3 they've come firing back with this brand new program that they say dozens of independent developers have joined on. It allows them to self-publish for the Xbox One. They get two free dev kits right at no cost. They get access to all the documentation um, for the Xbox, how to develop, all the APIs for Connect and controllers, and so on. And there are no fees to submit updates for your title. So this is a way they're really trying to go hard and not just to win market share, but a little bit more to win mind share, right? Games, uh, the gaming industry being what it is right now, it's kind of like the beer industry where the craft brews are the darlings of the whole industry. Same thing with indie devs. It's the latest Indiegogo Kickstarter campaign for some game. And if you can't get it on one, that's not, it's not going to affect you monetarily, at all, really. Uh, Microsoft's hardly probably going to sweat from this because they've got Minecraft, which is the biggest indie game, and all the other ones are probably minuscule compared to that. But it's just the perception of not being friendly, and then a lot of people take that very seriously now. And if there's anything Microsoft learned from last year, it's that they need to take other people's perceptions of themselves very seriously. Uh, And my only hope with this, I saw this and was really excited, but I can uh, I just hope that along with some of their updates to their their indie uh, development system, they also start to update their their pricing models in the store, and hopefully that allows indie games to price games more competitively, uh, to then also have it more up to them, and then hopefully that will lead to other games being able to have their prices drop, and then you can maybe see uh, the Xbox and Maybe this translates to the uh, PSN store as well. See those online stores start to become more competitive with uh, with Steam. Yeah. And uh, this next one, apparently, when we were watching E3 Live, Jonathan had the most hardcore raging clue ever, which is Phantom Dust, which is a remake of an original Xbox game uh, it was a cult hit card-based action game by acquire- that required you to uh, acquire skills and then use them to battle other players. Um, I never played it. I know Jonathan has. I, I'm sure he could tell us all about it, but uh, 
there's nothing really we could say other than that it was just a trailer and uh yeah. And yeah, that's um there wasn't a whole lot discussed on that. Um and of course a lot of details are yet to come. We'll see it's a pretty interesting system. And because of a little bit of its difficulty in explaining to people exactly what it is and how it works, that's why it remained a, a cult hit. And we'll see if they can get some broader appeal this time around. And finally, on our list of things we uh, thought important to talk about Microsoft's press conference is the reboot of Crackdown. Not Crackdown 3, they just cut off the name and made it Crackdown again. But the game is actually set ahead of the original Crackdown, so Crackdown comes before this Crackdown. And it's basically, they just took Crackdown 2, but in an alternate timeline. So you'll still need to play Crackdown to understand Crackdown. Are you confused yet? Yo, dog, I heard you like crack. I heard you like playing games multiple times in order to understand the story, so we did all this so you can understand this while you understand all this. <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of the gameplay elements are the same, you know, updated graphics, um, engine, and so on. Of course, Crackdown is a great game. It's not like it was, there's anything fundamentally wrong with the system. Um, but this leads us to our overall assessment of Microsoft, because I, I think, personally, this uh, reboot-ish of Crackdown um, fits into the larger trend of what Microsoft was doing this E3 and that was from the beating it took in the last one, and especially the uh, what we would widely consider now the failure of Titanfall, right? Anything but absolute success was uh, a failure for Titanfall. It did not deliver the units that Microsoft needed it to to remain competitive with the PS4, and we're seeing that sales gulf continue to widen. Um, it was a definite improvement from last year. That Of, of, of that we can be sure. But there was a trend that they played it safe. Their marquee title was a remake, right? The Halo 3 Master Chief Collection. Then they did a reboot of Phantom Dust, an original Xbox title. Then they did the reboot-ish of Crackdown, just wiping the number off the end of the title. And some interesting and promising indie titles, but uh, most definitely just left wanting. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um... Generally, yeah, I do. I do agree that they ha did definitely improve from last year's. Just I, I want to say disaster, but less than stellar E3 performance of last year. But is it enough? We'll we'll have to see later on later on in the road. Um. So now that we're done with Microsoft, it's time to move on to EA. And the first thing that was shown off, I know both you and Alex are so excited about this. They teased us a little bit was some foot, some, I guess, early alpha footage of Star Wars Battlefront. It looks so good. Uh, yeah, there was nothing really, there was no gameplay footage. It was just mostly, uh, just early alpha footage. Of say yeah, in a, it, was, it was, yeah, it was it was this weird sort of like trailer documentary thing with um with dice, but then right at the end they started to tease some of the models and a very 
very little bit of alpha gameplay. I think they, they, you saw a Rebel riding on a speeder bike. Uh, you saw, I think, a, a Snow Trooper on Hoth. Just enough that it looks gorgeous, and I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, moving on to the next one, we have uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is the next series in Dragon Age um, from Bioware, then published by E3, coming out on October 7th. Um, Anyone? So, uh, dra- I played both Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. Um, I did enjoy the original Origins. I know that it's a spiritual successor of Baldur's Gate, but regardless, I still had fun with Dragon Age Origins. I heard a lot of people were more or less let down by Dragon Age 2, um, just because the size of, uh, of the place you were in was extremely small, like, like not even, not even large enough to warrant it being called an open world game. But in this, in Dragon Age Inquisition, it's basically, I I think they even said that one area is larger than the entire, uh, than the entire sequel, like the entire game of Dragon Age 2. Like it is that large and it's just one area. And that's what has me so excited for Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, in addition, there's also two modes of play that you can go in. You can either play it very action based, where it's just, where it's kind of like a Dragon Age 2 with just, you know, spamming A or X, depending on which system you're on. And then you have your hotkey abilities that you have enabled, or you can play it in a more um, strategic-based way where you have the uh, God View camera above everyone and time freezes, uh, and you can kind of strategically make your moves there and say, like, oh, move my Inquisitor up here and uh, and move uh, my mage up here so that she can perform this a- massive AoE attack and so on, so on. Um, it's... I'm really interested to see how this plays out, but uh, but speaking of Bioware, we have Mass Effect 4 that was sort of somewhat teased, not really, um, but what was even more interesting was their new IP, which, again, they didn't really mention. They just kind of said, we have a new IP, and then they just left. Love. Yeah, I'll, and that's what we um, were talking about in the we short so, Yeah, takes we sort of referenced that in the short takes. Ago. And yeah, that's what I, when, I, when I said their, their tease was really frustrating because they showed a little bit of stuff that looks like it was just leftover Mass Effect sets, maybe in a, a more westerny sort of planet. And then some other spacey sort of scenes that you're not quite sure, is that the new IP or is that just more Mass Effect stuff? I, it was just... I can't tell if it was terrible or a genius move because I'm both really annoyed with them but I also really want to see more so maybe it got its job done mass dead redemption effect (laughs) oh (laughs) and uh, I don't really know much about this because yes to um, the 
denouncement of, I, I suppose, a segment of our listeners, I'm not a huge Sims fan. All I understand is that there are no pools, and that's a really big deal, apparently. <gasps> someone someone oh, removed yeah, the door! <laughs> pools, pools are very important. Pools are very important, because you but have to be able to have your digital representation of yourself have a fun outdoor life while you don't go outside. You know what's more important? A door. Because if you remove the door, then how will they leave? How will they get food? Well, what I only uh, what I kind of see from that uh, from just the Sims is just the fact that it sounds a lot like that other uh, title sim city and you know how well that was at a launch yeah yeah i think we're we might see a repeat of that if if they're if they keep to their uh continued attempts to become america's worst company in america which they lost but that's for another time um hopefully they'll do something better Uh, so next is Dawngate, which is their MOBA, like League of Legends. Um, nothing really noteworthy to mention. It's just another MOBA. I'm, I'm assuming free to play. Um, but next is Mirror's Edge 2, a very anticipated title. Uh, again, it, it's, it was very similar to how they did how uh, Dice did uh, Star Wars Battlefront, which was just you know a documentary with some 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 footage of early foot early in game footage, you know nothing really revealing. Um, yeah, I can't really comment on that. All right. Uh, well, I know that um, Omega Zero is a huge. Mirror's Edge fan, and we'll definitely have something to add on in the comments when we get there, because I bet he's following all the developments possible with rapt attention. Um, but now we're going to move on. Usually we would have skipped all of the EA Sports, NHL, UFC, Madden. It's in the game. Uh, ML. Do they do MLB as well? We all lost then- the game. No, I don't think there's... <laughs> there's uh... <laughs> I don't think they do MLB anymore. I think it's only 2K and then PlayStation okay. has a, a special MLB The Show, but I don't think uh, all, EA does one. All the usuals with the the year change, slightly graphically updated and updated rosters, blah, blah, blah. Um, the reason I included FIFA 15 was because of something I noticed. FIFA. Um, I love that game. I'm sorry. Not, not, not for the... Ah, uh, FIFA. Um, it is it, 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 host. <laughs> it, it is also the World Cup now, so we sort of have to mention it. Yeah. <laughs> but because I, I noticed um, a story which was very interesting that EA was planning to release FIFA 15 on the Wii and the 3DS, but not the Wii U. Wow. I thought that was a tremendous, tremendous statement, uh, even though it was implicit that they did not believe the Wii U has the selling potential and the units and the fan base out there that would warrant them developing it for the Wii U. And I, I think, thought that was I th- a tremendous snub and a very interesting development. Yeah, and I think it would be one thing if the Wii U was really easy to develop for and they still didn't decide to do it, but 
I think the fact that the Wii U is it's it's so different from other consoles, which in a way is good, but in another way they they've made themselves very difficult for third parties to access. Uh, I, yeah, I think uh, we I talked about this in one of the short takes. I believe it, this is just a mass a massive slap in the face and just reinforcing the fact that the Nintendo really does have to provide all of the games for its new console, which to be fair to them, as we'll talk about later, they started to do this year. Yeah. Um, ah, God. (laughs) So last on EA's docket is Battlefield Hardline. I, I feel like now they're starting to get into that Call of Duty rotation, right? This isn't being developed by DICE at all. It's being made by Visceral, I think? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we're seeing what's going to happen now. We're going to see this one, this year, Battlefield Hardline for, uh, or by Visceral. The next year, next Battlefield by DICE, and then next year, Visceral, then DICE, and so on, so on. Um... Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I have to, I have to say, full disclosure, I haven't played it. I haven't accessed the beta or anything, but just from watching the gameplay videos and their trailer, this should have been an expansion. I mean, this should be DLC at best for Battlefield Four. There's nothing in there that really looks really new. Uh, I mean, lots of destructible environments. Mm-hmm. Sure, fine. That's what. Battlefield has been known for for years, and I mean this. This feels like it's just another uh, multiplayer game mode. I mean, Halo is uh, they're they're really good. Three Four Three and Bungie before them were really good about introducing different uh, and new gameplay modes every couple of weeks, trying them out. If they got really good reception, they would be left in the game, and that people could access them. But that way, you get to experience different ways to play their game online. This feels like something that should have been added as a new online mode for someone to try out, not as a, a full $60 retail game. It I seems mean, like a trend that's going on recently. Like, uh, for instance, uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, feels exactly like an expansion pack. Uh, Battlefield Hardline feels like an expansion pack. Um, uh, what, else, what else was there? FIFA uh, and NFL, all that, obviously, all looks like expansion packs with some minor tweaks but other than that it's generally the same game but i think that's a topic for another time um but so now so now we have ea's overall assessment um they had a very strong outing but of course they have you know the usual sports updates you know new fifa new nfl new uh uh UFC all that but mostly it was all anticipation building for the moment right Mass Effect 4 and their new IP Battlefront Mirror's Edge uh Dragon Age Inquisition arguably the biggest titles for EA right now and they were all mostly teasers and slated to release soon So I That's guess very true. Yeah, so I guess it's uh all to uh a lot of showy stuff but little actual content. Yep, that's a very good summary of what EA is doing right now. A lot of promise, right? A lot of anticipation. 
Um, and we'll have to see whether they can deliver on that successfully. Uh, of course, being the worst company in a row, several years running, they have a very colored past and uh, track record. But with such strong games, um, with such great previous iterations, you've got to wonder whether they can actually pull this one off. Um, but now we're going to move on to Ubisoft, who had, as we discussed in the short takes, kind of a, also a checkered kind of presentation. Starting with Far Cry 4, we discussed Far Cry 4 in our last podcast because the main villain in this is uh, openly gay, I believe, and this was something they kind of just trotted out after the fact to make them seem a bit more inclusive, apparently. They also showed off the Division, Tom Clancy's The Division, and then their racing game, The Crew, both of which if you will recall, had been previously delayed into 2015, but then again, which game here hadn't been delayed into 2015? And then we had... I I, I, I will just say, just before we go on, um, I was intrigued by the division uh, last E3. This E3, they didn't seem to add enough to really keep my interest. It just looks sort of like a generic... Uh, MMOE sort of shooter. I might check it out when it comes out, but mm. but the crew, on the other hand, is something I'm very excited for, just because I love the idea of a map that stretches from sea to shining to shining sea, just the entire U.S. in a game. That looks pretty cool. I can't wait to see you do a virtual drive from from here to Austin, Texas, for RTX. Yeah. <laughs> We can do a drive to RTX while we're driving to RTX, and I will hit a lot more things in the video game than I will in real life, hopefully. Yo, dog, I heard you like driving, so we put a driving game in a driving game so you can drive to one place while you drive to the other place. <laughs> so You know, you say that, you say that but I've actually, um, when I was younger and I would fly, I used to play Flight Simulator to the place I was going to along with the along with the plane. I usually landed it less successfully <laughs> than the actual plane did. So Well I pray that the actual plane landed successfully. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um and next of course, oh we talked about this uh plenty in the short takes uh and the comments therein. Assassin's Creed Unity so on the one hand, yes, French Revolution that was uh, that's been expected and coming for a long time, um, a much bigger map, better graphics. Because as we discussed, in contrast with Ubisoft's own other game, Watch Dogs, they decided to separate it and make it you know one game for the current gen, one game for the last gen, and also unlike Microsoft, not naming them the same thing. Oh. So, um, sadly, it's not ninjas, which I know, Simon, you are wildly anticipating. We don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we can move on from that to a very interesting game, kind of similar to Child of Light, which was, I think, announced last year which is Valiant Heart The Great War, which is basically 
a kind of a a, a very emotional uh, reenactment of the First World War in a in a very similar vein to uh, not really similar, but a very similar art style to what Child of Light was, right? This very hand drawn, uh, very, uh, very pretty looking game. Like it looks gorgeous and it looks interesting. It, it does. It does look fantastic, and it does just through its art style and the the story that was even just shown in the trailer. It really tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, and uh, their their last showing everybody expected it was going to be it was going to be a new IP but to everyone's surprise it was not in fact it was actually a wildly uh absent title that had not seen the light of day for a long time and that was Rainbow Six Siege not Patriots but Siege um they well- it was announced that they canceled Rainbow Six Patriots due to all the controversy surrounding it and instead created Rainbow Six Siege from those assets that 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 was in Patriots. Yeah. Um it's, just looking at the uh the videos um from E3 it looks like they did a pretty damn good job recovering from a, a bad situation cuz I, I watched the whole gameplay demo of Siege and I really like the fact that they, you know it wasn't a trailer it wasn't anything else you just saw them go right into a game. And yeah, sure, it's probably scripts or whatever else, but it, it they did a good job of making it look like realistic, organic gameplay. Uh, and just the whole setup and the concept looks like something that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, for me to talk about Rainbow Six, uh, it's a kind of a touchy situation because uh, if we go back a long time ago, to the Rainbow Six franchise, aside from being a novel, uh, Rainbow Six was, or uh, for a lot of us, uh, a realistic uh, tactical shooter, and that uh, from lockdown uh, onwards, uh, some of the realism started to be uh, gradually be uh, lost, uh, and we we suffered to it, and some of us. Uh, ended up accepting it and moving on or resigning ourselves to or doom. Uh, but now that I see uh, Patriots uh, and I see people playing tactically in the trailers and w- whatnot in multiplayer, and I'm like, it's kind of, it kind of gives me that uh, feeling of hope that I th- maybe we're going to see more tactical stuff from Rainbow Six franchise uh, for the, uh, for in regards to, you know, uh, using more creative ways to use the environment since uh, and other stuff. So yeah, I hope we. C- <laughs> I don't get disappointed on the long run and see another Rainbow Six, well, Rainbow Six Vegas, for example. But yeah, anyway, uh, in that better. in that trailer, there was a point where. Uh, the terrorist had the hostage, and this and one of the terrorists came out with this giant shield that he places in front of him, and basically suppresses fire on the uh, on the SWAT team. And their only solution was to have their sniper uh, shoot him from the side, but the windows on that side were blocked off, and so the only way that the sniper could get a line on, line of sight on him was for someone inside to shoot the wall. 
to blast open that uh, that barricade open so that they could get a perfect shot on the on that terrace and take him down. And it looks I'm really excited to see that it looks genuinely tactical, which was v- very absent in Rainbow Six Vegas and uh or I guess v- Vegas two and to a lesser extent uh Vegas one. Because in Vegas 1, it was genuinely infuriating on realistic difficulty, especially in the Devil's Casino, I think it was. Um, mm. Which I know John did a guide... Or I don't know if it was John or if it was someone else, but regardless, they did a guide for that, and they said it was by far the hardest level in the entire game. Like, hands down. Um, so... Assessment, um, it, I don't know, it was kind of, uh, I don't think they really did anything new, I think. I mean, they showed off some new stuff, but they didn't really show anything new, right? It wasn't like last year with The Division or that year prior with Watch Dogs. It, it what there wasn't anything new and amazing that they showed off, which I think you're right because they were just basically continuing to show us stuff that has been delayed. Yeah, this is either right. stuff that they've showed at E3 before, or it's new iterations of old series. I mean, the only uh, only thing that doesn't fit either of those two categories is Valiant Hearts. But no offense to it, and I will definitely be picking it up because it looks like a fantastic game. Yeah. It, you know, it's not a AAA title that's going to move a lot of units. Yeah, uh, I respect Ubisoft in the, in the matter of them uh, having the guts to uh, announce a delay or uh, and in on all other kind of stuff. But also, uh, they are pretty not good at doing PR and whatnot. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a love and, and hate relationship between me and what comes of Ubisoft. All right. Very good assessment, yeah. So now... Uh, so now, the uh, second big console manufacturer uh, had its turn, Sony. Um, and Max, uh, as our resident expert here, then um, we will let you take point on this for sure. Yeah, so they started off with, wait for it... Destiny. Um, so they announced that the beta begins in July the 17th, and it's first on the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Um, but also, the they showed off the first look alpha, which is basically a, what it says, you can play the alpha, like a I, oh, I forgot to mention that. I was, I did get, get a chance to play the, uh, the first look alpha. I did. I even have footage of it as well. Um, uh, so bragging about it all week. Shut up. <laughs> I, I, I thankfully have a beta a beta code, so I'll be in that when it comes out. Um, so basically, it's you can play the a small portion of the alpha, and it was basically uh, max level was level eight. Uh, I think there was one campaign mission, one strike two multiplayer maps, and only one area you can explore, and that was Old Russia Earth. Um, it left me 
really wanting more. And I know everybody remembers the now uh, memefied, I guess you could say it, uh, catchphrase, which was, that wizard came from the moon, which apparently has everyone concerned that Peter Dinklage is uh, not doing a stellar job considering his, I guess, his reputation on Game of Thrones. But, uh, but I don't mind because they're, they've said that, well, recently they've said that they're updating the voice twice for Ghost. For the Ghost, twice in the, uh, game. One for the beta and then the final version. Which is interesting, but that's for another time. Um, yeah, well, I mean, hopefully you, you, you would hope that the game would continue to evolve as it goes through its alpha and beta. But I mean, just, just looking at, uh, some of the footage you captured, uh, and sent to us, and I believe that's all up on, on YouTube. What I was left with was the impression of Halo crossed with Mass Effect, uh, in terms of it looks like when you're on the ground doing shootery things, you could have told me it was the newest Halo game, and I probably would have believed you. It looks a lot like Halo. But there's a certain Mass Effect element to it in uh, in that when you're choosing your missions, you're in your ship looking at planets, looking at places to land, and then it all just reminded me a lot of the middle of the Normandy when you're ready, getting ready to go on a mission. So it's an interesting sort of, sort of blend there, and I think that's a little bit what they were going for with this combination shooter... RPG MMO online experience thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, Sony also announced a white PlayStation 4. Kind of, uh, I, I think this might have been a jab at Microsoft. I can't tell because I remember a while back that there was a special white Xbox One that was only given out to, uh, members of Microsoft that only got it. So, I don't know if this is a jab at Microsoft or not, but if it is, that's pretty hilarious. Um, but I mean, it's like it's like it's like when the uh, what the white iPhone came out or whatever, or <laughs> whatever the color iPhones came out. It's like cool. That's for collectors or people who are neurotic like Simon and have to have special editions of consoles. <laughs> so that's right. Yeah, they. I think they. Um... Microsoft, there was a rumor that there was going to be a white version of the Xbox that would come out later this year. Hasn't materialized in any form or fashion yet. But I, th- I just think it's funny that in every generation, it just flips, right? So you had a black Xbox and having anything else, like original Xbox, and having anything else was awesome. Then they switched it to white. And then having the black Elite was awesome. And now it's... And then they the, switched it to black. And now it's the white. And now white. having the white one or PS4 is like, oh my god, oh. that's awesome. So, so moving on. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. Wake up. <laughs> See, Simon, you're, you're saying that, but at the same time, you're addressing yourself. Congratulations, <laughs> you are now a scapegoat of yourself. Alright, that's what I like to hear. So, so they announced, well, I guess they didn't announce, but they showed footage of the Order 1886, which is Sony's... And then promptly delayed it. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Um, which had a very 
uh, I don't want to say Resident Evil, but it had a very horror uh, atmosphere to it. Well, it was definitely very dark, and I mean, we've known that it was always going to be this like Victorian steampunky sort of thing. But I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not too hard of a stretch to to link it to horror because Victorian steampunk is always sort of lended itself to that genre. And I, I mean, the trailer, there's this werewolf thing, and I'm sure there's all kinds of other monsters. That werewolf was really weird. It looked like a zombie werewolf thing. It was just, it was bizarre, but... It looked creepy Yeah, right after, right after E3, uh, that, like a bunch of other stuff, was uh, was pushed back. So, Amongst look forward to that, not things. now. Yeah, and uh, next is a indie title called Entwined, which is basically like... Uh, what was that game on the Xbox? It was like, uh, I forgot what it was, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, it's basically a game, an indie game, where you are these two, I think they were birds, I don't remember, and you control them using the both analog sticks. So one, so the left thumbstick controls one, and then the, the right thumbstick ter- controls the other, and you have to move them through these, uh, these rings or these, uh, these oh, obstacles. Simon, what was uh, what was that game I used to play on your phone? Which one did you? Flowers? No, 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 no. The uh, the uh, one with the two little people on the different sides of the cube. Oh, that you, Ilo Milo. Ilo Milo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what it is, basically. Um, so basically, it's they've said that at the time they said that at the at that night it would be available to anyone on the PS4 and it is I didn't play it but it is there um and then after they announced that they announced infamous first light not second son but it's the first light which is a standalone title for the PS4 you don't it's just like we we say this a lot it's just like blood dragon where you don't need uh, infamous sec- infamous second son to play you can just play it by itself um interesting i didn't play infamous second son but still interesting nonetheless um they then moved on to little big planet 3 which apparently was done by drunk uh by drunken <laughs> people that were stumbling that were struggling to even clear the first area, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but going from joking to even more serious, we have From Software's brand new IP, which is Bloodborne, headed by Hitaka Miyazaki, the creative director and the visionary genius behind Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1. And it is exclusive to the PlayStation 4. Um, I know Simon had, has a particular interest with this since he's playing through Dark Souls 1 right now. So, you have any thoughts? Well, I thought, um, that it was actually sort of interesting, the, um, dynamics behind it. It, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, like the Order 1886, to a certain extent, they're doing it kind of a Victorian England-y style, but then, and setting, but then retaining the original um, ridiculous difficulty and dying of 
Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Does that have that right? Yeah. I mean, this is a spiritual successor of Demon Souls, so I I expect nothing less from this. I expect to die and probably throw my controller more times than ever. And I have actually done before. I have actually thrown it and almost destroyed my TV once. So I expect nothing less. Um, so we announced, we said this a while back, but we'll announce, we'll say it again, but, uh, Battlefield Hardline was, was again announced. Uh, but this time, what was interesting about this announcement was that the beta for the play, or there would be a, not really an exclusive beta, but a first beta for the PlayStation 4. And, which is interesting to me because Battlefield has had a very Xbox aggressive slant, right? DLC oh, came they've, out. They've, they've had a very, they've had a very close relationship with uh, with Xbox. Just EA, EA has had that relationship. Um, but it, it was very interesting to me because we saw it during first the EA press conference and then later here. But uh, Battlefield had a very Battlefield Hardline, anyways, had a very strong Sony slant this time around. I mean, they had their uh, their 32-person multiplayer demo they showed off with you know, a bunch of people playing PS4s on top of a building in L.A. somewhere. And then at the end of their show, they had this grand reveal. The dubstep started playing and curtains went up and you <laughs> saw PS4s all around the room where everybody could go try out uh, Battlefield Hardline on the beta. And so it, it did seem like the Sony has really tried to, I don't know, Pull a pull a Microsoft in a way and try and lock in these uh, these exclusive deals. If not making the game exclusive, make certain content for it exclusive to try and uh, try and lock in these these big brand name titles. Yeah, same thing happened with Microsoft with Assassin's Creed, right? Assassin's Creed has been has had a lot of uh, Sony exclusivity in a way, like DLC. There will be exclusive DLC that came with with the PlayStation. Um, but now it's on now it's been on the Xbox's side, which is very interesting to me that there have been these big shifts happening. And I know that uh last year you said that they stole Metal Gear Solid, but technically Metal Gear Solid is not really owned by Sony. It's actually they don't really they're not really owned by anyone. It's like how uh, but at the same, but at the same time, they've had a very close relationship with Sony, and the fact that that was let out of the box, yeah, uh, into the into the open domain where Microsoft was able to get its hands on it, that that was a bit of a loss for Sony. Exactly. Um, so next, they had again more Destiny, stating that there would be a whole bunch of exclusive content on the PS4, like guns, gear, multiplayer maps. Uh, I think they even said a strike mission. I don't, I can't remember that. Um, they also announced, uh, Magicka 2. Uh, I've never really been a Magicka fan. I'm sure someone out there had a raging clue when that happened, but I can't really comment on it. But I think what some of us can comment on is an HD remaster of Grim Fandango. Woo! <laughs> Classic LucasArts point-and-click adventure game, of course. R.I.P. LucasArts. Rest in peace, LucasArts, yes. 
Um, and then from that, they had a, they announced a new IP. I don't know if this is Sony exclusive or not, but it's called Let It Die. Uh, almost like a, uh, almost like a Doom like game, which is just all out blood, gore, just kill everything. It looks graphic as hell beyond recognition. It, uh, yeah. And then after that, they went from the extremely violent to the extremely subtle and calm with Abzu, which is from the creators of Journey, which is now going from the barren desert to the underwater sea of somewhere. I don't know. It- which will hopefully that'll be that'll be pretty cool because Journey was such a an awesome game, not just to watch, but to just to uh, or not just to play, but to watch, uh, just because the visuals of it were just just stunning. So hopefully they you know they do that again. They provide us with uh, another uh, visual masterpiece as well as a, a really solid gameplay uh, experience. Um, yeah, but next is another one of these these indie games which we probably could have talked about during the. Uh, xbox uh section because uh, it was mentioned there but this is another one of those games that uh sony has done their their hardest to try and get some sort of slant their way uh it's no man's sky and um it's a game that i know i'm really excited about and marshall my friend who was on the podcast several episodes ago to talk about some of these indie games this is one of his from uh, a long time ago, I think maybe even last summer, that was a, a game to uh, to look out for. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, exploration, flying ships, going across galaxy, lots of cool stuff. I definitely recommend checking out the trailer. Procedurally but, generated uh, planets. Yeah, everything about it is procedurally generated, which to me is really cool because it's just this pretty much unlimited universe. I mean, it's got the the weird thing for me though, and there are some questions about it, which is like. It's all procedurally generated, but then you get credit for discovering something new so that when someone else finds it, it says this person found it. So so does it save things that's procedurally generated? I, I, I'm not quite sure. And there's certain uh, like MMO aspects of it, but all in all, it's progressing along. It's going to have some exclusive content on the PS4. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and next they kind of drifted away from the from the software and went to hardware uh well i guess this is somewhat software but they announced they i guess continued with uh PlayStation Now their streaming service with Gaikai um which is launching July the 31st so and i i think it's only starting with PlayStation 3 titles if i'm not mistaken um so basically, you cannot play something like, um, like a favorite of mine, uh, Final Fantasy V on, from the PlayStation 1 to, say, your PS4. That's gonna be coming in sometime in the future. But for now, it's only PS3 games. Um, and then they announced PlayStation TV, which is, was originally t- titled the PlayStation Vita TV that was only launching in Japan. But now they've migrated migrated over to America, but they've changed it to just call it PlayStation TV. Um, 
I'm sort of interested. I haven't really read up on what exactly this is. Um, I, but yeah, I'll, I, I'll check it out. Um, but, 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 we have the final two things in here are both from the same people. The Last of Us Remastered and Uncharted for A Thief's End. So, obviously, the first one, remastering of last year's, uh, one of last year's greatest games ever, um, probably for, probably the standout game of the last generation, just absolutely incredible experience, um, and it's gonna be remastered for the PlayStation 4, um, really excited to see how this looks on my PS4, just to see how gorgeous it looks. I mean, the PS3 version was gorgeous enough, but I'm really excited to see how this looks on a, with, on just brand new hardware. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, yeah, I think they've got 1080p, um, faster frame rate, updated the native resolution, the textures, of course. And then it will also come with, um, all of the DLC packs for The Last of Us. That includes the single-player campaign Left Behind, as well as uh, some of the multiplayer uh, map packs they released. And they're doing something that I think is really interesting, which is if you own The Last of Us regular on PS3, you will get you'll be able to buy the remastered version at a discounted cost when it launches. Yeah, now, I mean, it's, it's really very similar the... to uh, what Minecraft's doing with uh, with the, both the Xbox One and I think with the PS4 version as well, where if you already have it, you can buy it for like five bucks instead of 20. Hey, you know, Microsoft, that'd be cool if I gave you my proof of purchase of all of my Halo games and you <laughs> gave that to me for like 10 bucks. What do you say? <laughs> nah. Nah. You use, you use use Halo Waypoint as a as a way to to get a discount. Exactly. You can see all of the <laughs> achievements. I've They've got. been prepping for it for years. Uh. So, <laughs> so Sony's assessment. Um. Obviously, last year they utterly curb stomped Microsoft into the ground <laughs> last year, but this and year I I, I, I I will say again. Before that point, Microsoft had tied its own shoelaces together, fallen onto the curve, and opened its mouth as it was falling. So, yeah. So this year, Sony was generally the same feel as last year's E3, albeit without their grand finale that they did to utterly humiliate Microsoft. Um, They had an extremely aggressive push on exclusive deals. Like the Destiny First Look Alpha, uh, the Battlefield Hardline Beta, and so on, so on. And they somewhat did what Microsoft did last year, which was they went into separate hardware with the PlayStation TV, uh, PlayStation Now. Obviously, that's not hardware, but not really a t- software. Yeah. Sale. I mean, it is games, but it's not. A game. And, uh, well, yeah, but I, th- I think we can say those two things uh, stood out particularly because of the overall feel of this E3, both for Sony particularly and really for everybody, for Microsoft and everybody else, uh, Nintendo as well, especially. 
it was all about games this year. Yeah. And uh, so that made the hardware bits sort of stand out. And sadly, they did not make fun of Microsoft. I was hoping, I was praying that, uh, that some, that someone would make fun of the other. But sadly, Microsoft basically started off by saying that they are glad that they have competition with one another. I was just like, why? John, I wanted you to drink. It's all respectful of each other. It's all lovely. Um, but, so I, I, you have to wonder if we feel like Sony wasn't as good this year simply because Microsoft wasn't as terrible. I think Microsoft offered a much more um, equal showing to Sony this year, which I think Sony pretty much matched their level last year. I mean, they showed a lot of a lot of interesting games. They didn't have that, as you said, that same finale with the it's four hundred dollars sort of no, grand finale. Uh, Boo Yakasha does, does not require but other than always that, they, online, they had yeah. everything else. So I don't. They didn't change too much from last year, but I think Microsoft improving made us feel like we were know, all maybe winners. They didn't step it up enough. We were all winners in this, unless you That's were a true. PC, then you <laughs> always win. Period. Um. So now we have our our second last. Well. Our last major player, last of, in last, of, last of the hardware producers, and it's uh, at this point fast becoming the uh, redheaded stepchild of the hardware. I guess maybe redheaded step aunt at this point. It's so much older than the others, but uh, it's becoming so Nintendo. It's, I think the best way to approach this is if I just read out all of the names of the games <laughs> that they're releasing, and then we'll see if there's anything new that needs to be discussed. Okay. Super Smash Brothers, Amiibo, Yoshi's Woolly World, Legend of Zelda, Bayonetta 2, which actually comes with the original Bayonetta, by the way, Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, Hyrule Warriors, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, Mario Maker, Splatoon, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Star Fox, Mario Party 10, Devil's Third, Fantasy Life, Professor Layton vs. Phoenix Wright. So let's see here. So we have a, we have, let's see, sequel, 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 or sequel, somewhat new IP, but not really, sequel, uh, uh, Mario Maker spin-off se- tie-in sequel sequel uh, reboot with that being Star Fox sequel and then the rest are new IPs so there's more well, more sequel well, Phoenix, <laughs> that yeah. Phoenix Wright versus Layton is uh, another I know. sort of a well, yeah. Ma- yeah, sort of a, a mashup of uh, of two different things I'm kind of objection just because yeah it's just I feel like there's going to be so many memes coming out of that game because there's so many memes from those two individual games. I just want to see those two uh, famous Game Boy characters. Well, I guess actually I think they're both DS characters so, uh, going at it. So I solving think we... Clues. I guess, Go ahead. I guess it's just, yeah, I guess it's just part of them uh, trying to continue the already established fan base for that, for those uh, franchise, franchises. And, well, uh, you have uh, fighters like Super Smash Brothers that are being talked about uh, everyone in by all people around uh, everybody everybody lost their shit when um super smash bros showed off that they had pac-man uh because <laughs> now you've got i think i think sonic is in there too so yeah. it's it's bizarre you've got nintendo 
Sega Pac-Man in there. It's like any kid from uh, from the eighties seeing all these characters on a Nintendo probably system, creaming their just pants, losing losing their mind. It'd be like <laughs> it'd be, be like, like me. Mar- it'd be like it'd be like Mario and Master Chief hanging out with uh, Drake on a PS Seven. Like it just it wouldn't make sense <laughs> on a PS Seven U, PS Seven PS One U. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I have uh, since uh, have highest themes for what since Hoenn uh, in Pokemon was my first region that I truly played. I am kind of excited for Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Um. So yeah, I have to. I have to admit, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um. I'm not sure if I'm gonna buy it. I might borrow it from a friend if they. If they beat it and don't care about their Pokemon, ah, shit, I'll probably have to buy it. Because um, <laughs> everybody cares about their Pokemon. Um, How dare but you? I, I, yeah, exactly. But I do, I do remember having a lot of a lot of fun with Ruby and Sapphire. It'd be interesting to see those worlds in the uh, new post uh, X and Y 3D bonanza that is the new Pokemon. So, uh, but I think, up- I think, I think overall, when we talk about Nintendo here, we can at least say one thing. They finally have delivered. There are games to play on the Wii U, despite the uh, year head start they had on the other two consoles. Their library was in was no more developed than the other two consoles, which had come out much more recently. But here, finally, uh, first, and they've got Mario Kart, which came out just before E3, and now all these other games. They finally have stuff to show off. But you do have to comment on the fact that. They're having to show all of these first-party titles because they have no third-party titles to show. Nobody, none of the big developers are going to make cross-platform AAA titles. You notice there's none of those in this list. They're not getting any major exclusives from anybody outside of their own in-house developers. And you have to wonder if that's going to be a problem for Nintendo long-term. Can they continue to print dollars with their nostalgia machine? Or are they going to have to make some sort of concessions to uh, to these major companies to get these bigger titles on there? And I know a lot of people said they were excited and they called Nintendo the winner because they said, oh, all of this stuff is different. It's not what you get on a PC. And it's fun. And I, I get that. And I'm definitely excited for some of these games. But at the same time, it's the fact that they only can produce their own titles and unless there's a significant amount of innovation every single time, it's just, it gets tired and overused and cliched. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, perhaps this E3 for Nintendo might be the one that says, uh, I'll show my own work and I'll go ahead and bring in whatever people I can. That way I can convince a third party to make software for me. Uh, that, and, this might you be know, that's- the one. Yeah, that's very true, and I that's that's what I I sort of talked about this a little bit in the E3 short takes where I said they finally are showing a lot of the stuff that they said was coming, but then my question is, is it too little, too late? I mean, we saw earlier uh, when we were talking about FIFA 15 in the E3 bit, EA just completely wrote off the Wii U. They just completely uh, disregarded it, didn't even consider developing for it. So you have to wonder maybe if all of these games had come out last year and if they had prompted increased sales numbers, maybe 
E8 reconsiders and thinks, you know, this is a market we have to take seriously. I, but because they didn't do that, because they've now waited until their two main competitors with technically hardware-wise much better consoles have released their systems, have had, you know, lots of sales, you know, relative to them, great sales success. You know, is it is it too late now? Is the market too saturated with these new titles for them to expand enough to justify these other developers developing for them? Yeah, we'll have um, to wait and see and for that. Another thing, exactly. Another I mean, thing. This, we <laughs> one thing that happens in all these podcasts. We ask all these questions, and then we just sit, and then at the end of it, we're like, "That was some good questions." Now we have to wait and see, and. Who knows? I may be right. I I may be completely off base, and maybe Nintendo really did win this, and maybe they're looking forward to a fantastic year. I don't know, but I just I I can't shake if, the feeling that they've waited too long to release all of these games. If they win, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm giving up. <laughs> um, I don't so know. You, you can on. always count on you can always count on people to be nostalgic. They are gamers, especially are nostalgic to a fault. I have yep. a winner for E3. It's, it's the on, only thing that's kept uh, Nintendo alive these last couple of years. You know who really won E3 this year? Sega. Hey, Sega. <laughs> hey they got their character back on a. Well, I guess <laughs> they, they. I guess Sonic's been on some some big games on the 360, but they finally got him back in his battle with uh, with Mario. Just not necessarily where they would want him to be fighting. Mario. So, finally we have third party. Now, obviously we went through a lot of third party games, but that's because uh they had some sort of exclusive deal with the many with the manufacturers. We're just going into uh general third party. So, firstly on this docket, you can't have an E3 without Final Fantasy. Um so uh, At well, least not one that Max will watch. So, god damn it! So, <laughs> so sadly, okay. I want to rant about this because obviously I did the synoptic sit rep of Fabula Nova Crystallis, but this one, which broke is, our website, I'm just yes, going to point out to which, people. This it's one, so large. This one is also bound by Fabula Nova Crystallis, which is Type O. Which is coming for PS4 and Xbox One. Is that a blood type? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm kidding. Uh, but not a Vita release. Now, for those that don't know, uh, it was originally released in Japan, only in Japan, on the PSP. And obviously, we all know what happened with the PSP. It basically vanished and was replaced with the Didn't Vita. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Unfortunately, it that did not come over, so now it's being re-released for the PS4 and Xbox One, but not the Vita. And apparently, everyone went apeshit when it was when it was revealed that there would be no Vita release. Um, so unfortunately, now there's going to be a Synoptic Set Rep Part Five. And maybe a part you six. Thought you were safe. Yeah, I thought I was. Wrong. Just when you thought no! you were safe, to go back in the water. <laughs> I had time. So while while Max prepares to slave away for the most of the rest of his life, uh, and it, next we next we have uh, evolve from uh, from the guys who brought you uh, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead Two. It's a new 
sort of like Left 4 Dead game that has uh, exclusive DLC for the Xbox as well as uh, a beta there. But it looks really interesting. Uh, it's four-person, uh, so sort of similar to Left 4 Dead, but instead of fighting zombies, you're fighting monsters, which makes me think sort of like Ghostbusters, but against monsters. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it had a similar setup to Fable where you have the four people, like the four hero characters, whatever, and then you've got another person playing as the uh, the big monster. Because unlike, well, yeah. uh, un- unlike in Left 4 Dead where you could just play as a regular zombie or maybe a hunter or something, there's there's sort of like a big main boss baddie uh, yeah. sort of monster. Yeah, but in this, but unlike uh, Fable Legends, where you had the vi- have the villain that can manipulate the environment and evolve, you really don't do that. It's more that you kill monsters to evolve your monster so that he can get more powers, uh, become stronger, take on the uh, uh, take on the hunters more efficiently, and ultimately you survive. Um, so it's a very different approach to this, which has me interested. And the way that they've marketed it, it feels like they're trying to reach out to the esports crowd, right? I remember uh, John put this on the Wiki Game Guides uh, YouTube channel of basically an entire match co- entirely commented by what I'm assuming is a high-profile esports commentator. Um, and I feel like that's what they're going for towards is trying to be like Call of Duty where they appeal to the esports crowd. Well, I mean, as we talked about in the short takes, I think last month maybe, uh, esports are growing bigger and bigger. I mean, we, we talked about that whole massive gaming arena in uh, in China. Yeah, it's... Who's going to go there? I don't know, but I'm sure someone will. They're, they will build, they're building it so they will come. Uh, oh, but next up, speaking next of up, Call of Duty, yeah, next up we've got Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, and uh, everyone's favorite manipulative bastard, Frank Underwood, uh, aka Kevin Spacey, uh, will make his video game appearance in full mocap. And I have to say, I pretty much only watched the trailer because he was in it, but that's why they hired him to do it. Eh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much basic rundown of it it's in the future uh we've run out of countries and terrorist groups so now the bad guy has to be uh, a pmc private military company uh which no watch we're gonna take on people from mars we're gonna take yeah, on exactly. aliens that comes that comes in the sequel um <laughs> but anyways if this if this is done right uh it could actually be a good thing and a good thing for call of duty because we talked about in the last podcast and some of the comments at the beginning of this one you know, we we make all these people who are others, not us, um, China, Russia, Middle East, those are all bad guys, and the U.S. is always the good guy coming to save the day. British, um, Britain as well being yeah, the British, good guy. Yeah, basically U.S. and allies. Uh, what I thought was really interesting thing about this is this will be the first uh, uh, Call of Duty where you'll be shooting potentially shooting Americans as the bad guys. Now, that's that's a bit of a, a weird spin on things, uh, if you will. Uh, but it could be believable if it's done well. 
And uh, if there's one person that can make Americans look like bad guys, it's Frank Underwood. Every kitten grows up to be a cat. They seem so harmless at first. <laughs> Small, quiet, lapping up their saucer of milk. But once their claws get long enough, they draw blood. Sometimes from the hand that feeds them. <laughs> For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. What? Now, oh, the question no. is, that that was longer than seven seconds. So are we going to get this podcast pulled? That was a pretty accurate representation. I think this is going to be going on for uh, five hours if we keep this up. Oh, <laughs> uh, excuse me if I just ignored from when you say Call of Duty to when you said believable. Sorry. <laughs> Call of Duty, believable. I have pick to, one. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to. I have to. You know, forgive you for that because the last uh, several uh, offerings have not quite had that 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 characteristic. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I sort of lost it when the South Americans all united, defeated the Europeans, defeated the Arabs, and then fired space weapons on the U.S. <laughs> what? Hey, dude, it's that secret. It's, it's that secret Venezuelan oil money, man. You know, I mean, that was the plot of Ghosts. It's for gonna, those. It's, and the fact it's gonna that, get us. And the fact that this super secret uh, stealth uh, stealth organization is supposedly in in operation and apparently the first thing you do is ram a truck into a compound and then gun up the place even though you're supposed to be ghosts you apparently do the one thing a ghost would do shoot everyone in the face with very loud guns hey the nsa isn't always subtle so you know mm. we can't always say super secret organizations are always the most super secret well the most okay, quiet so yeah, exactly. next up, we have Grand Theft Auto V for the current gen for Ooh. PS4 and Xbox One and also PC. So, oh, yeah. so I know that Soul Fluxion was dying for a PC release of GTA V, and now he can finally get it. Uh, char- and characters can be transferred over in GTA Online because all of that information is in the cloud, unlike... Uh, unlike in most games where all that data is based on the platform that you're on. But sadly, not so much for the campaign because of because it has different format types. So but at the same time, if you're if you're buying the game uh again, you've probably played through it the first time, or if you haven't bought it the first time, then you have nobody to transfer over. So you looking forward to uh to redoing the the story, which is really fun to play through, so it's worth a uh, worth playing it through again. But I think the biggest thing there is keeping your GTA Online characters is massive because I think for a lot of people, that's been one of the biggest draws is the fantastic online system they've got, and being able to keep uh, your hard earned cash, weapons, and level uh, transfer that over into the next generation is massive. But the other really really fantastic things about this game uh, just across the board for all three uh, PC, Xbox One, and PS4 is the fact that it looks fantastic. I mean, GTA V already looked really, really good. It was a gorgeous game to close out the last generation, but it looks even better opening up this next gen. I mean, textures are improved, there's better frame rates, better native resolution, and, I mean, all of these consoles and most PCs have better processing power than 
the admittedly tiny amount available on previous generation consoles. So they're going to be able to take advantage of that so much better, and it's going to look just fantastic. And it will come with uh, the current, all the current DLC packs as well. So, I mean, it's all free right now. So I don't really see how, why you shouldn't get them. But if you haven't been on for a while, like me, uh, that's welcoming. And uh, we can't forget the number of copies that the regular last generation GTA Five has sold, and that has sold. 33 million copies so far for the PS3 and Xbox 360, so I'm betting that it's going to sell way more for, obviously, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Well, because I, I know personally a bunch of people, and I've seen a lot of people online, who just didn't buy it for this generation because they knew it was going to be coming to the next generation, or they felt that it had to come to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, you know their their patience is being rewarded here. So I definitely I definitely think between people who are buying it for a second time and fans who waited to get it on the next generation, we're going to see a lot of sales of this game. It's going to do very very well. So and yeah, so we're almost we're almost wrap we're almost going to wrap it up here. Um, so next we ha- next we have Dark Souls Two DLC, which is interesting. Which these are going to be very interestingly episodic content this is it's going to be called crown of the sunken king which is a three-part episodic series basically each one takes place in different areas of the game and obviously it's going to be incredibly difficult areas difficult boss fights uh very a very interesting story behind them if you're really a lore junkie like me um to really sink their teeth into um it's coming out when i believe it's in june or sorry july august and september i could be wrong on those dates but basically it's gonna be episodic as i said it's not gonna be all piecemeal um and uh it, I'm really interested to get through this. I really want to get back into Dark Souls 2. I haven't been in there in a long time, and I'm probably going to be very rusty, so I'm probably going to die a lot more this time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned that I'm going to die a lot, but I'm also equally excited that I'm going to die a lot. Uh... So one of the few times you'll ever hear that phrase. Yeah, and uh lastly, we have The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt um which was also delayed to 2015. No surprise there. Um and it's obviously incredibly anticipated, you know, what really feels like the next generation, right? It, it looks looks gorgeous. It looks It looks absolutely beautiful to look at um uh yeah it's it is crazy how uh so many of these titles that we've listed were all delayed but uh this one i can understand being delayed because it's just like everything these these witcher games are always massive i mean you try and read one of their manuals especially for like the first one on pc it's like reading an ancient tome uh 
but just the the graphics and and the stories and stuff it's they they deliver and I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So um so lastly, uh we would do a game minder segment, but uh I feel like we've pretty much summed up what's coming out in the next couple of months and even years. But in all honesty, there really isn't anything of interest coming out besides maybe a few things. But even then, those are probably being released more or less late in July or midway yeah, in there's, July. There's there's not too much coming out this summer. We are, we are firmly in this uh, go outside, what's wrong with you, it's sunny period <laughs> of the year. Um, but don't worry, the, uh, the cold will return, winter is coming, and along with it are, are plenty of games to look forward to. Um, for me, I think this, this fall, I'm really looking forward to Master Chief Edition and, uh, this updated, uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto V, amongst other titles. So that's, I mean. For sure. We've, yeah. we've talked about so many here, and I mean, some of them have been pushed back to next year, but a lot of them are coming out. Uh, this year, and so I think the state of gaming could be better, but I think we've got a lot of really good titles to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Next year will be the year, yeah? <laughs> Next year will be well, the greatest of, year. Unless, of course, everything then gets pushed back to 2016, but yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, well, we have gone over two hours, but that's fine considering the uh, type of content we're discussing here. Um, but we have wrapped it up, so uh, I definitely want to thank Millennium Master for coming on and contributing. Really welcome it. You know, I uh, feel like we've come full circle uh, from the very beginning, um, and so yeah, it was my to, uh, he could be on here. To it was my pleasure. Thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. It was my pleasure. Oh being yeah, here. absolutely. And uh, so with that, for Millennium Master Alex Miller. And Max Gruber, I'm Simon Wu. This has been the 35th Game Distiller Comcast. And remember, you will never game alone.